Well, I am so excited uh, to kick off a brand new teaching series here this morning. The series is simply entitled Living in Babylon. This is a study of the book of Daniel that we're going to walk through together uh, this summer. And uh, so this, if you don't know who Dan, Daniel's, uh, Daniel in the lion's den, you've heard of that. But there is so much more in the book of Daniel than just that story. And uh, what you're going to realize as we look through this series is this is so relevant to our lives today. This book that was written 2,500 years ago speaks to us specifically today. Now, I'm going to warn you, this is going to be a longer series. We're going to spend like 14, 15 weeks in the book of Daniel, okay? So we're really going to get into this one, all right? But trust me on this one, every single week you're going to see where this applies to your life and how this challenges you in your faith. There's a question we're going to be looking at throughout this series, and it's this. How do we live for God's kingdom when we reside in this kingdom? How do, how do we live for God's kingdom when we're in this world that is that's so challenging? What does it mean to live for Christ in a world that's hostile to our faith? Like that literally is trying to take you out in your faith. How do we do this? And the answer to that question isn't always simple. How many of you like things nice and clean and easy, right? I like them black and white. I like just to know what to do. But here's the deal. In this world, it isn't always clean and easy. Sometimes it's challenge. Sometimes faith produces points of tension. But we have to wrestle things. And one of our core values around here is this, is we embrace the struggle. We embrace the struggle. Faith isn't always this simple thing. Sometimes we're going to have to wrestle. And we'll see this play out over and over and over again as we walk through this. And my prayer is that God will challenge the way that we live out our faith in this challenging world. Jesus said, go and make disciples. That's what this series is. This is going to be a discipleship series. Okay? You're going to be challenged to grow. Not just like, hey, Jesus, I'm going to ask you in my heart. No. How can I actually live this thing? That's what we're going to do, all right? So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. I encourage you to bring a Bible throughout this series because we're going to walk straight through the book of Daniel through this series, all right? If you've got a Bible app, go ahead and open that up as well. As you're turning there, just a reminder that we are in our reading plan, going through the whole Bible. So if you've gotten off course, just jump back in on this thing, right? We're in Chronicles right now. Would you stand with me as we're going to read our text together? A few more verses here than normal here. Beginning of verse number 1 says this, In the third year... Of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, mouthful, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands, along with some of the articles of the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put it in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, another mouthful, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who had been chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, we do believe that you want to speak to us. 
And God, I pray as we kick off this series, is there so much that I believe you want to reveal to our hearts through this series? God, I pray that we would have ears to hear it. Father, I pray that we would listen to your voice. God, we wouldn't just hear my voice. We'd hear your voice in this series. And Lord, that we would be those who are faithful to you in every circumstance. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. You can be seated. Uh, do any of you have that part of your family? Okay. Like that part, you know what I'm talking about, like that uncle or that in-law, right? Or like that whole side of the family, you know? And you're like, you just don't quite get along exactly. Like you just don't fit with each other. It's not that they're bad or you're good or whatever. It's just you don't fit. Okay, for me, uh, I grew up in Chicago. I know it's shocker to all of you, but I'm a city boy, okay? And I like to be in the city. And I have some extended family. My mom's kind of second, they're like second cousins, all that kind of stuff, that are all from West Virginia. They all live in West Virginia. Okay, so, so. They don't just live in the country, uh, they refer to it as the country. Anybody know what I'm saying, right? They live in the country, okay? And so we go visit the, the family in the country, and, and it was great, and it was super fun. So when I was a kid, it was different. Like, it was outside of the norm. I'd go there, I'd get to play with tadpoles, I got to sit on the back of four-wheelers. It was just things that I didn't ordinarily get to do. But there were times when I realized, like, I don't really fit here, Okay. Because, like, I had one of my uncles, or it was like a second uncle thing, whatever, and he's, he's a coal miner. And, like, they were just okay with a lot more dirt than I am. Like, he would walk in just coated in coal. His hands are grim, and he just sits down on the couch. And I'm just like, you need a shower. Like, I like to take showers. Anybody like to take more than one shower a day? Like, that's me. I like to be clean, okay? And then they would tell stories that would make me feel super uncomfortable because they had lots of snakes in the area that they lived in, and there would be snakes in the home. And so they, would, they told the story, yeah, we were in the kitchen one time, and we opened a drawer, and i like, oh, what's that? And I poked it, and it slithered away, and I'm like, that's disgusting. I don't want... I don't want snakes in my home. And they told us like 20 stories like that. Like they have snakes all over the place. And then I'm, I'm the one sleeping in their house. And I'm thinking to myself, this isn't good. Like I don't want to live here right now. Like I don't fit in here. Like they're great, but I don't fit here. And I think this is what we're going to see in the book of Daniel. This recognition that like it's fine, but they don't quite fit where they are. To fully understand the context of this, that's what we have to do. We have to look at the context. I say this on a, on a weekly basis almost. When we look at passages of Scripture, we can get off with some crazy ideas, or we can totally miss what God is actually trying to say to us when we don't understand the context. So to understand the book of Daniel, i got to give you a little history lesson. So poke your neighbor real quick and say, stay awake for the next three minutes, okay? So here's a little history lesson for you uh, to follow along. Uh, you remember back a few months ago, we did this, the series, The Big Story. We talked about the big story of Scripture. Okay, this book falls in that big story, so I want to get you where we're at in the story. We've got God creates all things. Everything is under His authority. All things submitted to His authority, right? That's what's going on. But it says that mankind stepped out from God's authority, and they said, we want to be our own authority. We want to do things our way. The result is sin enters the world. It destroys the relationship with God, but it also thwarts all of creation. And it says creation is frustrated because of that. And God makes a promise that I'm going to once again restore all things as they were in the beginning. Remember, all things will come back under me. I'm going to redeem all mankind, but I'm also redeeming all of creation underneath of my authority. That's where we're headed in the end. But to get there, he begins this story, and he works through a people known as the Israelites. And he says to these people, listen, I'll be your God. You're going to be my people, right? That's what's going to happen. I'll be faithful to you, but what happens? you got to be faithful to me. you got to serve me. you got to stay submitted to me. We, we know the story over and over and over again they're unfaithful they keep turning away from god 
Kind of sounds like my life, right? You ever relate to that? These times where I'm trying to be faithful and constantly there are these moments where I'm unfaithful. And that's the story that we see of the Israelites. And yet, God says this to them, listen, here's the deal. If you're unfaithful, if you turn away, I'm going to be patient for a while. But eventually, I can't take anymore, and you are going to be exiled. You're going to be removed from the land I gave you and exiled to a foreign land. And the reason God did that isn't because he tried to be mean and he wants to hurt them. It's because his hope, just like a good father who disciplines his children and hopes that they will return, that's his desire. I'm going to exile you with hopes that you will once again return and you will be faithful to me. So he makes this promise to them. And uh, this is what we see happen at the end of the book of Kings and the end of Chronicles. They've been so uh, unfaithful to God that God says, listen, I'm going to take you into exile into Babylon. There's a passage of scripture in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is one of the prophets that's speaking during this time. He's speaking the word of God. And he brings a prophecy to these people who've now been informed that they're going to get taken into exile. And we see this passage in Jeremiah 29 Beginning in verse 5, he's speaking to these people. He's like, you're going to get taken to exile. Here's what you need to know. Build houses and settle down. He's like, it ain't going to be quick, folks. <laughs> right? Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your son and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease. He's saying, listen, this isn't going to be a, like a little weekend getaway. To Babylon, okay? You're going to be there for a while, all right? You're going to have to learn to, to deal. You're going to have to learn to live in this unique position. And you would think, well, these people are getting sent to a foreign land with foreign gods. There's two things. You even think, well, either they're going to compromise and follow these foreign gods, or what they really should do is they should revolt and take over this nation and fight against them. And he says, no, nope, neither of those. You're going to learn how to live here in the tension of being in this nation while at the same time staying committed to me that's where you're going to be for the next seasons and so we get to the next verse and in the next section in verse uh, oh no sorry verse number seven finishing the passage says also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which i have carried you in exile pray to the lord for it because if it prospers you too will prosper say listen it's not like hey i'm gonna go over no he's like go pray for them I know that they're bad people, and I know that they worship other gods, but pray for peace for them, because if it's good for them, it's actually going to be good for you, because you're stuck living there right now, okay? And we go on then to a couple verses later to verse number 10, and this is what we need to see. Is he's saying, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, he's saying, listen, you're going to be there for 70 years. You're going to get taken into exile for 70 years. When that's done with, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. I'm going to restore you back to your land. And then here's the verse that all of you have heard before, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. What's he saying there? He's saying, listen, you got to understand the reality. Is that you're getting taken to another land, but your allegiance is still with me. Your hope is still with me. Your future still lies with me. You're going to have to live in this land for 70 years, okay? But recognizing that this kingdom that you're a part of is not your true kingdom. It's not your true allegiance, all right? That's what he's getting to. And so we get to the book of Daniel, the beginning of the book of Daniel. And what does it say? This is exactly what takes place. It says that Jerusalem is destroyed and it's utterly besieged. It's what's going to happen to the Packers this fall without Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. It's going to be awesome. 
just destroy it over and no, God, let it be. Let it be, Lord. I, I can see the cranky Packer fans right now. They're so. <laughs> okay, but this is what happens. They come. It's just because we're jealous. You get it. It's fine. Okay, so they come and they destroy Jerusalem. But what happens is when a nation would take over another nation, they wouldn't just destroy it and walk away. The goal was to try and bring this nation into their empire so they could expand. So what they would do is they would go and they would take the best of the best out of that. So they go to Jerusalem. They take the wealthy. They take the good look and they take the smart. They take the royalty. They take the influential and they exile those to the land. What's the purpose? Because they're going to retrain these people. It's like going to a retrained school. We're going to train you in the ways of our land, the way that we think, our philosophies, our ideas. That's what he speaks to them. And so we get here, these four men that we just talked, many of us that we would know these as Shad, uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know the story from when you were a kid. Here they are, these amazing men, right? Smart, handsome, leader-type people living in Babylon while trying to be committed to God. And this is exactly where we are. Everything that I just read about them, you could apply to our lives as followers of Christ. It's a complete parallel. We are living in a land that is not our ultimate home. It's not where our allegiance is called to lie. It said we are committed to another kingdom. And we're here to live for about 70 years <laughs> To say, how can we live this life? We're going to have to say, it's not like, you're, well, I don't, I don't have a home. No, you're going to have to settle down. You're going to have to get a home. You're going to have to take care of your family. You're going to you're gonna have to learn to live in this. It's not just like, I'm going to revolt against the world. No, I, I have to figure out how to live in this place while at the same time maintaining a faithfulness to my God. How does that look? What does that look like? It isn't always clean and easy. Sometimes there's tension. Sometimes it's a challenge. And that's exactly what the entire book of Daniel is about. And we're going to see ourselves in this as we have to wrestle this reality that we live inside of it. But our starting point this morning, I'm actually going to get to our big so what right away. And then we'll just kind of talk about it a little bit here. We always say, so what, what's the point of this thing? Here's the reality we need. We are exiles. Okay? We are exiles. Some of you, I, I feel bad because the... the Faith or the version of Christianity that you were sold on was saying, hey, just come to Jesus and everything's going to be great. Your family's going to be great. Your kids are always going to love Jesus. You're never going to have any problems. And then you get to go to heaven and it's just always going to be amazing. And I'm sorry, but that's not what Jesus said. He said, listen, in this world, you're going to have troubles. It's just going to be hard sometimes. You have to understand this reality. When you choose to follow Christ, you are accepting the, the calling of being an exile in this land. This is not my home. This kingdom that I see with my eyes is not my true allegiance. This is a theme that we see throughout Scripture. So we see it in Daniel. We see it throughout the Old Testament. Even into the New Testament, we talk about it. Peter, the book of 1 Peter. Peter is addressing Christians. And what does he call them? To the exiles. And later in chapter 2, he calls them exiles and foreigners in this land. It's not because they weren't living from their own home. No, it's because they're followers of Christ. And we're all exiles. It doesn't matter where you're living. And then we get into the book of uh, Corinthians, and Paul talks about the fact that, that our, uh, our, our citizenship is in heaven. He talks about that. And what does it mean for our citizenship to be in heaven? It's just like these four people we're talking about, these four men. It's a reality that we are exiles. That's what it means. 
that our allegiance is somewhere else. Now, for these four guys and the rest of the people that are brought, it was an issue of, of spatial issue. It was, it was a location issue, right? They were, this was their land that they were a part of, and they were removed to another kingdom, literally, a, a different location. But for us, it's not a spatial issue. It is a spiritual issue. In this last series, the big story, we talked about this idea that you aren't, and unfortunately, as I said, some of you were fed the wrong message. You aren't saved to God's kingdom someday when you get to go to heaven. You have been saved to his kingdom today. The fullness of his kingdom will be revealed someday, but you are invited into his kingdom today. It is a spiritual reality. That is where your allegiance lies. And so because of that, although we physically live in this world, that is not the kingdom that we are ultimately a part of. No, we are exiles living in Babylon right now. And we have to remember that. Why? Because if we're ignorant of this fact or grow complacent in this reality, we're in trouble. Two reasons. One, we're going to get really discouraged. If you forget that you're in exile... You get cranky at God. Why aren't you doing what I want? You know people like that. You've been that person. I've been that person. I don't like this, God. Why are you doing this? I'm being the good Christian. Right? You ever said that to God? God, I'm, being all, I'm doing all the right things, God. Why aren't you doing what I want? It's because you forgot that you're in exile. <laughs> but it's more than just an issue of being discouraged. If you forget the reality that we are exiles, then you're going you're gonna to miss out on this reality that Babylon is filled with pressure against you. That Babylon is trying to take you out. It's like going to the buffet. Anybody you like the buffet? I'm praying to God that COVID hasn't ruined buffets because I love buffets, right? Let me scoop my own food up. I like it. Okay, when I was a kid, I liked OCB. How many like OCB? Oh, oh country buffet, right? But my, my palate is far more refined this part of my life. You know, I'm much older now, so now I don't lower myself to that. It's the pizza ranch. Anybody like the pizza ranch? You're getting a witness out there. That's great, guys. The pizza ranch, it's amazing. But here's the deal. If you don't have a plan going into the pizza ranch, the pressure will get to you, okay? It will. Right, if you've never been to the pizza ranch, here's what it's like when you go to the pizza ranch. I walk into the pizza ranch, and like the first thing is like, I'm trying to be a good person, so I'm going to have the salad, right? I'm going to start with a little salad. So you go, and I get a little salad, but I put a lot of ranch on it to try and compensate for the salad. But then right next to the salad, what do they have? They got pizza. So I put two pieces of pizza on the salad, like croutons. That's just a crouton. It's not, they don't count. They don't count. That's, that's salad at that point. Okay? So you go, you eat your salad, you're like, all right, I'm warming things up, right? We're getting going. That's fine. So then I go back, and now it's time to start with the pizza. And I load up. I usually, I mean, I'm, I probably do more than three, four, five pieces of pizza on the plate. We're doing good. And that's good. And I'm excited. But the problem is, you know what you have to do after you got your plate of pizza is you have to walk back to your table. And when I'm doing that, I'm looking at what everybody else has got. And I'm like, oh, I didn't get that one. Oh, I didn't get that one. I didn't get that one. And so the, they're constantly causing, I got to eat more, more, more. And it's awesome. And so finally, you've had three, four, five, six plates, however much you got. I don't care. No judgment here. And, and it's like, all right, time for dessert. And how many of you know they got the cactus bread? Oh, so good. The cactus bread is so good. If you haven't been there, we're all going to Pizza Ranch afterwards. Okay. 
cactus bread. So, you, so I get some cactus bread on the thing, and that's great, you know, and they give you like a thimble. If you've ever been there, they only give you a thimble to put soft serve ice cream in. It's awful. It's like a ranch container, you know. But So I get a thimble of ice cream, and I got my cactus bread. But then after you've had that, they bring out the blueberry and the apple one. And I'm like, I need one of each. So I go back, and I get another one. But the problem is when I'm getting the blueberry one, I see that they brought the taco pizza out, and it's throwing me off. I didn't get the taco pizza, so then I have to cut a little sliver of the taco pizza, and I go back. But how many of you know when you have the taco pizza, you got to have a little something sweet when you're done. So i got to go back and have another piece of cactus bread. And now they're rolling me out of the pizza ranch at the end. Why? Because I didn't have a plan. I wasn't ready for the pressure. Okay? And this is where we find ourselves in this world if we are not careful. There is all these pressures coming at us. We have to be aware of them. So we're going to look here. We're going to dig into this text. There's three pressures that I see as we wrap up this morning. Three pressures that I see in here. We're, we're not going to, I'm not going to belabor that this, this, this morning. I'm going to kind of move quickly. But know this, these themes we're going to see constantly coming out throughout this book. And I think throughout the summer we're going to see God just stirring something new in us. First pressure is this. The pressure to compromise our allegiance. The pressure to compromise our allegiance. Uh, look what it says in verse number 7. It says, the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Meshach, or Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Um, now, for some of you, are like, oh, that's cute. They gave him new names. That's great. Like, when I was in Spanish class when I was a kid, I was Gregorio. It's like, cute. They gave me a new name. <laughs> awesome. It's not that. This is huge. Why? Because their names meant something. The name Daniel, I'm not going to go through all of them, I don't have time for that, but the name Daniel uh, means Elohim is my judge. What is Elohim? Elohim is a Hebrew name for God. It's basically saying, he is, he's judge, he's Lord, he's in control. And they gave him the name Belteshazzar, which means may Bel protect his life. Who was Bel? It was the God of the Babylonians. In this moment, they aren't just saying, oh, cute, give him a new name. They're saying, no, you've got a new allegiance. You've got a new God. There's someone else in charge. And this is what we have to understand, living in Babylon. Listen, folks, we're all living in Babylon. There is pressure to compromise your allegiance. Now, you might say, well, nobody's forcing me to bow down in front of a god. I'm like, I'm not going to do that, Greg. I'm not that kind of person. You're right, but they're still going to get at your allegiance other ways. I think there's sometimes for us, even this past year, I challenged our congregation multiple times throughout this year that it's even possible that our allegiance gets out of whack with things that are seemingly good. If anything takes your affections more than our God, takes your allegiance more than our God, then you've gotten something out of order. This past year, there were issues in our, in our society. There were political issues. There were honestly even issues when it came to racial justice where suddenly they became more important than anything else. And if we're not careful, we've given our allegiance to a foreign God. And we have to be careful. Everything, no matter how good it may seem, has to be under our authority. There is no behavior that you can justify because this issue is so important. No, my ultimate, ultimate allegiance is toward Christ. And therefore, everything about me is in submission to him, even the good things, okay? But in this world, they want you. They want you to grab hold of anything other than God. They don't care what it is, even if it's good. Second pressure we deal with is this, the pressure to compromise our values and our beliefs. It says in verse 4, the back half of verse 4, uh, it says, He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. What was he doing? He was teaching them how to be a Babylonian. What are we about? What do we value? What do we care about? 
You know, what's important to us? What are our beliefs? And this is, once again, the world that we live in. If you are following Christ, following what he has called for your life, you just know it's a guarantee that your values are going to consistently come in conflict with the world. They just are. That's the truth. This world wants you to get off course, to begin to value different things, to change where you're aligning yourself when it comes to your beliefs. And Amber shared about this last week. This is why understanding the word of God is so incredibly important as followers of Christ. Because if you don't know the truth, then you don't know when you're being lied to. And unfortunately, our church is filled with people who don't know the word of God, and they, they're getting lied to, and they're biting on it over and over again. Why? Because it seems good. Like, that seems right. That seems like the right thing to do. Guess what? There's lots of times when the thing that seems right is still wrong. When you were two years old, you reached your hand into your diaper and grabbed your own poop out. And it seemed like a good idea. I like to use poop because it's memorable, okay? But seriously, at the time, it seemed like a good idea. But you didn't know. You were ignorant, okay? And this is how we are as followers of Christ. Sometimes we are operating, doing very stupid things, following the ways of the world, the values of the world, the beliefs of the world, simply because we don't know the truth. We are not standing firmly on God's word. We're not spending the time to know him, to dig into him. We, don't, we come to church when it's comfortable, when it's easy for us, when it fits into our schedule. We open the Bible when it's like, oh, it's that special day. It's close to Easter. I should probably open my Bible up. No, we need to be grounded in God's word so that we know when the lies come, we can say, no, I don't believe that. No, I don't value that. I turn away from that because my ultimate allegiance is toward Christ. That's the call of a follower. Pressure to compromise values and beliefs. Number three, there's the pressure to compromise our behavior and our lifestyle. Beginning of verse number five, it says, the, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. Again, this seems like no big deal. Oh, they're giving them food. No, this was very intentional because they wanted to change their lifestyle. They wanted to change their behavior. We'll talk about this next week as we dig into the pa passage a little bit more. They were changing what made them who they were, Right? They were changing it, change up the schedule. And see, this is what happens for us. I think for uh, a lot of us, when you think about our behavior, our behavior is the tip of the iceberg. You think about a big iceberg, behavior is what people see. Your lifestyle is what everybody sees. Underlying below that is some, you know, values and some beliefs that you hold. And below that is this allegiance, right? And so you would think, oh man, if I get my allegiance right, I got my beliefs, I got my behavior, all those kind of things. Here's the issue, is that we think, well, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna change my allegiance. I would guess that most of us are not gonna like bow our knees in allegiance to some other god real easily. Like that's gonna take a pretty crazy circumstance for that to happen. What's a lot easier for people, for uh, the enemy to get at you, is to start tweaking your lifestyle and just tweaking your behavior a little bit, to get you just a little off course, to begin to do things that maybe you wouldn't do, to think about things, to value things, to all those kind of things. To begin, all of a sudden, this starts changing over here. Just the little things, right? And if over a period of time of, of changing your lifestyle, suddenly your values and your beliefs start to pivot a little bit, start to change a little bit. And down the road, you don't even realize it. It wasn't like someday you're like, I'm giving my allegiance to someone else. No, just all of a sudden you begin to look at your life and realize, oh no, my allegiance is no longer toward God. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to take you off course. He wants to take you the wrong way. And if we forget this reality that we are living in Babylon, 
if we forget this reality that we are exiles in a foreign land, then we get complacent and we're just going along with the stream and the stream is flowing off a cliff. So we have to be aware of this. We are exiles. Right. Now, if you're here this morning you'd, uh, and, and maybe you're exploring faith, you say, man, this doesn't sound like much fun. <laughs> Super encouraging message, Pastor Greg. There's a, there's a story that I want to take you to. Because why would we sign up for this? Like, why would I sign up to be an exile? You know? Okay, I'm, you're going to give the fact, okay, God is, if he's really God, then I should probably just submit to him no matter what. And that's, that's true. You should submit to his authority because he's God. <laughs> that's just a good decision, okay? But there's, there's a more personal reason why I think it's so important. Why we would be willing to say, yep, I'm willing to be an exile for you, God. We see this in John chapter 6. Jesus had been going around and he's teaching um, all the, what we would consider the good stuff, right? He's doing the fun miracles. He's feeding the people. He's healing people. He's doing all this good stuff. And the crowds are huge. Everybody's hanging out around him, just loving out. This is great. Yeah, they got the t-shirts. Jesus rocks, you know, and all this stuff. And then he begins to teach the hard stuff, something more like what we just taught this morning. He begins to get into the really challenging stuff. And it says that the large crowd started to disperse. They don't like the hard stuff. They don't want that stuff. No, we just want the good stuff. Give me the good stuff, Jesus. And it says that Jesus turned to his 12, the ones that he called to be close to him. He, he turned to them and he says, are you guys going to leave me too? You guys going to bail on me? Everybody else is bailing on me. Are you going to bail on me? And Peter replies, and I love this in chapter 6 of John. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Like, where else are we going to turn? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal Zoe. And why do we, why do we say, yeah, I'm willing to sign up for an exile? Because real life, true life that God created us for is only found in him. This is the story. This is part of the journey. Oh, it's not, it's sometimes this peace here on earth can be challenging because I know some of you, you're going to follow after Christ. You're going to do all the right things. And guess what? Your life's going to be great. You're going to get to retire when you're young. You're going to get to own that nice house you always dream. Some of you, that's what's going to happen. There's others of you that are going to commit your life to Christ, follow him with everything that you are, and your life is going to be hard. Things are not going to go well. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to lose that loved one. You're going to lose that job. You're going to struggle at times, right? That's what the story is going to be. And if you forget this reality that we are exiles, then you are going to get very discouraged. If we, in the midst of our everyday life, forget this reality, we are going to get off course and compromise what ultimately is the only thing that can save us. We have to understand this. We are exiles, and we're willing to take that on because we know we serve a God who has given us a promise, that, that promise of Jeremiah 29, 11. It's not a promise that everything's going to be great in your life. No, it's like when the 70 years is over with, at the end of this thing, no matter what you face, no matter what you endure, you can be confident of this promise. I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That is who I am. That is my heart for you. So when we say yes to the exile, we are saying yes to that God. That's who we are saying yes to. 
Say, God, I submit myself to you because you're worth it. That's what he's calling us to. And so this morning, I want to invite you to stand with me across the room. So we're going to close this morning. And again, this is the beginning of a, of a, a longer series. I believe God's going to speak to us. But the starting point to this is as we prayed earlier, is we've got to be willing to say yes to Jesus. Say, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. I offer myself to you, God. I submit myself to your kingdom. I choose to accept the, the, the state of being in exile. Why? Because, God, I know you are worth it. You are good. All right. If you would, just take your hands and place them over your heart. I want to just pray over us. Father, we thank you so much that you have called us and invited us into something better. You've invited us to experience your Zoe life, your eternal, abundant, overwhelming life that we can only find in Christ. And we thank you for that, Lord. And God, we acknowledge and we're reminded this morning of the reality that we live in a world that is trying to take us out. We live in a world that in so often is running in complete conflict with who you are and what you desire for us, Lord. And God, I pray that you would make us more aware by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would make us more aware. Give us insight. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear those moments when the enemy is trying to get us to compromise. Compromising our allegiance. Compromising our values and our beliefs. Compromising our behaviors and our lifestyle. God, would you reveal that to us? And God, I pray in those moments we wouldn't be lax, but instead we would be repentant. God, we would agree that that is compromise and that is sin and we would turn away. Father, that we would be those who are sold out to your kingdom while living and residing in this kingdom. God, help us. We desperately need you. And God, I pray for anyone this morning who has never submitted to your kingdom, that has never given their life to your kingdom this morning, I pray in their heart right now, they would submit to you. They would lay themselves down before you for the very first time and say, God, you are my God. You're not just a God, you are my God. And I worship you. God, help us this week. Lord, I pray you would help us to not just talk about this this morning, but to live it out, we pray. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I want to invite our prayer team forward at this time. There's some of you here, maybe you need somebody to pray with. You may need to come down to this altar and just spend some time with God. Maybe he's been speaking to your heart. But there's other of you, you just have a need in your heart. Please come receive prayer here this morning. But I want to leave a challenge for us all before we go out the door. Know this, next week we've got, uh, Micah's going to be sharing. Uh, he's got a powerful message for us. And then the following week we'll be continuing in this series in the book of Daniel. So over the next two weeks, here's my challenge to everyone, is I want you to read the whole book of Daniel over the next two weeks. It's 12 chapters. You can do it in about an hour if you just sit down and do it. But that way you're familiar with the story, so as we preach through it and talk about it, they'll be alive in your heart and ready to kind of deal with that way, all right? Uh, but this week, this week, Let's have our eyes open, all right? Let's have our eyes. In the morning, you may need to pray, God, keep my eyes open. Reveal those areas when, I, when compromise is trying to infringe on my commitment to you. And let's say, God, we are submitting to you over and over again. On your way out the door, if you want to check out any of the stuff in the lobby, do that. If you're a guest, stop by our Connection Center. Otherwise, have a great week, guys. We love you so much. We'll see you back next Sunday.